Hello and welcome to Nick Flanagan Weekly. As I told you in a previous episode, I went to Bulk Barn the other day and I purchased some things. Yes, I purchased some things. They've all been eaten for the most part, except for sesame snacks, not sesame sticks, which are sweet. These are savory. The other thing I bought, hello and welcome to Nick Flanagan Weekly. I am Nick Flanagan, relatively far from the mic. Hopefully it still sounds good enough. Um... And I was just making a little half song there about my trip to Bulk Barn and all the things I bought, which have been eaten by now, several days later. And uh, I ate, I got hickory sticks. Now, there are people who don't know what hickory sticks are. Now, let me tell you, I think hickory sticks might be a Canadian thing, or at least an East Coast thing. Uh, I mentioned them on the in the Green Zoom, that podcast I am on and live stream and the only person who knew them was maggie may who i know for a fact has spent time in brampton ontario so hickory sticks s-t-i-x what are they i suppose hickory's in the mix but they're sort of like julienne potato stuff that's fried and they have kind of a barbecue powder placed upon them and i ate them today and man, they taste good, but let me tell you, the before and after pictures of me taking hickory sticks, there was a distinct change in weight. And I haven't felt 100% all day. I'm going to hold the mic now because this is much better. I haven't felt good since eating all these hickory sticks. And... This is just kind of a public service announcement, so to speak. How public is this podcast? I mean, it's available publicly. How much of the public is listening? Honestly, in the grand scheme of things, not a huge amount. In my scheme of things, great amount. But grand scheme, scheme not, not enough. Anyway, um, <clears throat> I'm just letting you know, be careful with hickory sticks. Just a handful. That's what I learned after today. Go to the bulk food store, buy a handful. Because why wouldn't you go to a bulk food store during a global pandemic? Plandemic. And buy a handful of hickory sticks. It's going to cost you like five cents. Oh, do you remember five cent candy? Oh, oh, oh. What those millennials missed. You go to the store, you got your five cents, which was immediately like $5 in the 1980s. And um, you could buy some hard gum, a small amount of hard gum. Those were the days, the hard gum days. What do you think? Cost more for them to make the comics in Bazooka Joe gum or the gum itself? Write weeklypodcast at gmail.com. That's W-E-A-K-L-Y podcast at gmail.com. And let me know what you think costs more. The 
alleged gum that Bazooka Joe gum was or the comic which surrounded it. I think it would have been nice if we could go back in time and save the environment by just eliminating a lot of that bad candy that had maybe a lot of packaging, you know? And I'm going to include cherry blasters in the mix. Is that a Canadian thing? The, uh, it's like a yellow square small box that had this grisly photo on the front of like a chocolate thing cracked open with like red cherry goo inside. I'm not buying that. And look, yeah, maybe I don't like Turkish delight, but I'm not going to put that on the list. You know, that's a delight. I'm not going to put Cracker Jacks on the list, but Popeye cigarettes, sure. They're on the list. And, um, Bazooka Joe gum, double bubble. I once bought Bozo the Clown gum because there was a store near me that had very clearly had very old products. Bozo the Clown, not a current day popular figure. Essentially started in like the 1940s or 50s, maybe before. And <clears throat> that had a comic in it too. And when I went to put the gum in my mouth I touched it and it just crumbled into dust like a vampire hit by sunlight thanks bozo you know who's a bozo me for buying it yeah so if I ever do make that time machine I've been meaning to make I'm gonna go back and uh, get stand in front of a gum factory and say just don't make this you can make double you can make double mint I guess Tic Tacs, fine. Eh, no. Let's get rid of Tic Tacs, too. Just, you know, candy, in retrospect. We don't really need that much of it. The Europeans got it right. Not not as much candy in uh, Europe outside of the UK. The UK is like candy central, right? Don't they call them like goodies or something? I had my bonbons and goodies great a person from the uk is going to listen to this and say i hate it when you do the uk accent well i wasn't just because i did that voice it doesn't mean i was doing a british accent it's just my fun voice how's your week how was your week which was actually something i was going to call the podcast for a while how was your w-e-a-k but i didn't call it that i called it nick flanagan weekly how was your week? My week was, I don't know, like fast. They're all so fast, frustrated, you know, just, just the thing. What did I say? I said the most pretentious thing yesterday. I don't know. I'm, I'm just worried about my output. I just, I'm worried about my output. And yeah, it's the same old question is, uh, will I get these things done now today and last night things I needed to do were done. So I'm going to pat myself on the back. I'm going to be okay with it. It's not easy to even get these uh, anything done. And I did do the things. So I will not beat myself up about it. But before that, my Sh Sherman Helmsley criminy was I beating myself up about it. Ah, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. You know? I am saving the lives of these dogs, walking them, petting them, patting their chest, 
thing I learned from one of these YouTube videos about dogs is they love to have their little chests rubbed. It's calming. So when they roll over, vulnerably showing themselves to you, consider not rubbing their bellies. Instead, rub their chests. So I've been doing the chest rubs and... Also, you know, not not editing the interviews that I am dying to get to you. Those will get to you, but I have like three or four really cool interviews, and they're just they're they're just on their way. And I did a talk today with Danko Jones and Damian Abraham. We got together again, and I think Damian's just going to send me the audio, so I might wind up bumping that to the front of the queue, and you'll have one of my famed interviews. Sometime soon. You want me to mail you some hickory sticks? If you're not in an area where there are hickory sticks, let me know. Weeklypodcastgmail.com. Kofi.com slash Nick <coughs> Maybe I'll become a hickory sticks importer. You give some money to my Kofi or Patreon, and I'll send you uh, five cents worth of hickory sticks monthly. It's a good deal. I don't care how you weigh it. It's a good deal. A lot of people are asking me on the Twitter, uh, oh, what what movies have you been watching lately? I think I mentioned in the last one, JFK. I got an hour into JFK. Went back the next day. Was not available. Conspiracy much? One minute I'm watching JFK learning. Next minute. No JFK on the t- on the, t- the Amazon Prime anymore. Pretty suspicious. Pretty suspicious stuff. Some would say that we're through the looking glass here, people. We're through the looking glass here, people. That's what Kevin Costner says in that movie. There's also a thing where he goes. He's talking to David uh, David Ferry, character played by Joe Pesci, in a blonde wig. In a southern accent. And Joe Pesci has given a very unconvincing series of stories about why he was in a specific place at a specific time. And Jim Garrison, played by Kevin Costner, goes, Well, David, we're going to have to hold you. Why is that? Well, we just don't think your story is credible. And then Joe Pesci says, Really? What part? And it's a beautiful moment, and I, uh, I, I insist you find it on YouTube and, and have a good time. And then I started watching this Bob Dylan Rolling Thunder review movie that Martin Scorsese has something to do with that I'd avoided, even though I am uh, Bob Head to the max. I uh, I don't know. I read the reviews and they were like, this is more of Bob Dylan's weird myth-making. And the whole thing about this movie is it's like footage of this re- very real, very famous tour that Bob Dylan did in the 1970s. Uh, you maybe saw footage of him wearing like Robert Blake Lost Highway mask, uh, face paint and a weird hat singing, you know, looking kind of strung out. Um, that was the tour. So it's footage of that, but apparently there's also a lot of fake stuff that got added in. Like they just make up a bunch of things. 
and I, I've only watched half of it and I don't think it's got to that part yet, but, um, the footage is great. I'm like, so glad I watched it. It took me out of the prison of weird feelings I was in. You could say music saved my life that night. So yeah, you know, we got to feed the soul. We got to feed the soul, which means you're going to watch your Bob Dylan documentaries. Throw some jazz on, lie down, you know, do something that makes you happy. I was so happy once I finally did the things that I'd been putting off, which were, you know, time sensitive, but I was still like having a really hard time doing them. And then when I finally did them, I was like, oh God, I feel much better. It's like when I did uh, my taxes after not having done them for a couple of years. I was like, four years. I was so dreading it. And then, and I know there's people who are listening right now who are like, uh, trigger warning, tax, having back taxes. Because there are people, if you haven't done your back taxes, you don't even want to hear anyone mention taxes. Which is a problem because, you know, everyone's always like, this is where my tax money goes? I don't think so. Or they're like, see the lottery? That's the idiot tax. And then your mind goes to, oh, God, I haven't done 12 years of taxes. I haven't done a baker's dozen years of taxes. But yeah, like as soon as you do this stuff, it's just not it's one less thing for you to be or two or three or whatever, how many things you did that were on your plate that are no longer weighing on you. And sometimes I wonder if I gravitate towards having things weigh on me, which I don't want to do, but I don't know if it's like just foolhardiness. Oh, I'll take this on or I won't, I'll put this off and, not even thinking ahead to that it'll have to be dealt with or if it's like literally like I'll have to deal with this and I'll get this weird adrenaline rush once and if I finish it or maybe it's a sick love of the period of time where I'm stressed out about it I don't know and I will talk to my therapist about it but you are the first line of therapy you the listener thank you so much for being that listener for listening for putting in this time from from my mouth to God's ears and God's ears are your ears thank you Damien Abraham says I should name my next comedy album Shitty Nardwar let me know I said look I don't want to make Nardwar sound shitty I love Nardwar it's a reference to how someone commented on, on an interview I did with Mac DeMarco that's on YouTube that I was like a crappy version of Nardwar <laughs> The great interviewer, Nardwar, the human serviette. Look him up if you haven't already. I think he still adds 
the human serviette to the end of his name. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Nard War the Human Serviette. Um what was I gonna say to you? I had like one last point I wanted to make and it's it's escaping me. Have you had any experiences where you've procrastinated? <laughs> Write me at weeklypodcast.gmail at gmail.com and I will read it on air. Tell me about your worst procrastination experience. And but it can't be tragic, you know? Like if it's a tragedy you have to promise me you've had some closure on it and then you can tell me about it. If there's no closure, if you haven't processed it, I don't want to hear that shit. Oh, <laughs> uh, Spring will have sprung soon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the flowers will be on the trees. The bees will be stinging the squirrels. The oranges will taste so good. Please come spring. I am no longer a fan of this winter. I'm begging you, Mr. Spring. Come to my house. Because I walk these damn furry beasts today and I'm like, it's colder, it's so cold. And it was really nice the last few days. And it's just like, don't be cold. This is why I went to LA. I'm not one of these people who was like, oh, I'm going to go to LA and I'm going to get rich and famous. I mean, I probably should have thought that, but my animal brain was just like, it warm, it warm, friends here, it warm, friends here, comedy. And now I hate comedy. <laughs> I don't hate comedy. I'm like one of these bad people who enjoys almost everything Dave Chappelle does and tries to excuse all of his uh, wrong-headed whatevers. You know, I love watching Chappelle. I love comedy, but I hate it, especially during the pandemic. There's something about watching people just like go about comedy is one of those things that's like, it's like a transparent grift. You know what I mean? It's just, you're literally like, Hey, let me charm you. Give me some money. Am I charming enough? Give me some money. And that's fine. We're all worth it. But I also see a lot of people kind of jumping on the like anti-woke train. I posted on my uh, podcast Twitter account, Nick Flynn Weekly, if you're interested. Oh, I'm mad at comedians. I was like, I'm a, should I talk shit about these specific comedians? And it's like, I mean, I just don't want to say names for some reason. Because I just don't want attention on people. But man, it's like if your whole thing is that you're going against, you're a comedian and your whole thing is you're going against wokeness and cancel culture, maybe you should wonder why that's your brand. Like, why your business plan is be a comedian. Find a thing that resonates with a specific niche of people who will support you, no matter what, because of your ideological stances. Sit back and watch the money roll right in.
mate, you know, it just feels so opportunistic and lazy. And it's, it's unsurprisingly not being done by the funniest people in the world. <laughs> and they're all Canadian. Half these fuckers are Canadian. And that's what drives me nuts. It's like you're doing kind of like borderline anti-mask material. And it's like you're, you have, you're, you're in, you're Canadian and you're just telling Americans, gathering Americans to like not wear masks. And it's like they will, some of them may get COVID and die. And you're just some Canadian influencing their thoughts. Pathetic. That's what I say. Pathetic. One of the worst predictions that I made in terms of accuracy was at the beginning of, of the COVID time, I was like, okay, we got to stop talking about woke. We got to stop talking about cancel culture. That stuff's done. This stuff is not important. And then the Republican Party, you know, dedicated their entire conference, CPAC conference last week to cancel, like they called it uncanceled, uncanceled, not even being a word, which is fine. I love inventing words, but you know, I was wrong and I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to like freak out about like conservatives or whatever, but it's just like such a thin premise the idea of woke people and cancel culture. It's such the amount of people that are just kind of idly online chiming in on political matters versus the amount of people that are out in the streets protesting or whatever. Like they're literally just attacking like college students, basically, or I guess frontline activists and social workers and stuff like it's because like those are the only people who are like dealing day to day with issues of, of, of civil rights violations, people not getting things that they need like, and, <laughs> but I guess people have started to realize the word social justice isn't really negative. So they need to kind of step away from, <laughs> from using the word social justice. So now they're just saying cancel culture. But the reason I say it's such a thin premise is because once you take away the idea of their canceling Dr. Seuss, once you take away that argument, you get to the fact that they're really trying to say like they're trying to, people are trying to change the status quo and it's worked so well so far for me and that is annoying that I'm fine and a bunch of people are trying to like change things. And it, I honestly think it all comes down to like eventually abortion, <laughs> you know, and it being anti-abortion and being something where everyone's just like, it, it's more of a like religious state. It's more people's bad behavior is more secret. You're not supposed to talk about it. You know, it's it's the one upside of this disgusting TMI era we live in is the fact that people can be kind of vulnerable in like a more real way. Of course, the flip side is because it's like a capitalist situation, people are trying to make money off of their vulnerability, which is also disgusting. 
God, I'm looking at a dog right now. I'm so lucky. I, I mean, I guess why I get so mad about people who do stuff that's like really anti a type of person is it just seems in this case, like woke people or whatever it, it seems. And, and it's, it's posed as teasing, but it's like high school level teasing. You know what I mean? Like the kind of thing where people like don't want to know you and hate you if they get any, you know, like an attempt to like divide people up. So these people can make money. You know, so a comedian can make some fucking Patreon money. And like entertainment, sure, it's, it's supposed to be challenging. It's supposed to present you with ideas that make you, I don't know, like feel stuff, wonder things, look into things maybe. If it kind of creates an anger towards certain other people that's actually larger than the amount of entertainment you're getting out of something, well, it's not, is it comedy anymore? Also, I'm not sure if my reaction to this is because I just think the comedy is shit. Anyway, not naming names. I hope you like the sound of my voice during that because I felt like I was kind of vague. But you've all seen it. You've all seen people trying to be funny. And it, it does flip around the other way. Like Canadian content is very often awkwardly and, and American stuff. It's awkwardly overwoke. And by overwoke, I mean like trademark symbol next to the word woke, which is appropriated from what did, what did the, this YouTuber I like, T Noir, mentioned it. A-A-V-E. African-American vernacular English. Oh, and I'm so PC talking about this. But, yeah, like, woke was just, like, taken. You know? But, anyway. Uh, like, all the big companies are just, like, falling over themselves, writing embarrassing shit in an attempt to pander to social activism. But, and that's fucking equally as bad. Or not. Yeah, it is. Because these are companies that are trying to siphon your bucks so you can buy Oreo cookies. Oh man, can you get me some Oreos and milk? God, am I going to go to 7-Eleven and get milk and Oreos? I don't want to do that, but I do want to do anyway thank you for letting me get that off my chest I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Nick Flanagan Weekly I'm Nick I'm going to clean the bathroom now Flanagan